Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right, I got a big one here. Lots to cover. Let me get right into it. Um, first of all, I'm going to start off with just a few geopolitical things, kind of per usual here. Of course, yesterday or the day before, there were these Mark Zuckerberg hearings regarding Facebook and TikTok and a number of other issues regarding social media, certainly, including the whole meta platform and sexually grooming children who are on Facebook and XYZ. One of the larger umbrella points, I think, that is worth reminding individuals of is that this is an election year, and this is the time when basically everybody gets on the same side against a common enemy, and yet the enemy really isn't even their enemy. Because in reality, and certainly in in relation to Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, that entire story of how he acquired all of that is completely fabricated. The CIA has been tied into Facebook and now, of course, Meta and whatever the hell you want to call it, and they're a part of this. Numerous other three-letter agencies are too, of course, Jewish bankers and a number of other things. Again, it's been rumored that Mark Zuckerberg is the grandson of David Rockefeller, so either son or grandson, one of the two. Either way, the entire thing is dirty, and it's taking place inside of, of course, the halls of Congress, which are remarkably dirty. But this is, the, you know, this is all for pomp and circumstance, and it's all for the cameras, and it's all a show. This is all designed to make it look like politicians are here to help you. And unfortunately, numerous people buy into this. There were numerous people in the crowd who apparently were victims, who had children who were sexually groomed online or uh, sexually prayed after online, and some of them, I, I guess, I don't know, found themselves in a location where they thought they were going to meet up with somebody. It turned out to be somebody else, and then you know they were either murdered or, again, sexually assaulted, raped, XYZ. That's how the story goes. Again, th- this is, <laughs> I, know, I know this is a little confusing, but this is so multidimensional that I just wish that people didn't take this at face value because the face value portrayal that they're showing everybody isn't factual at all. Mark Zuckerberg is the enemy, all of the politicians are the enemy, and the people putting on this entire show are the enemy. They are the problem. Again, regarding the parents, to blame governments and then blame a degenerate company for the degradation and deterioration of your child, that's your fault as a parent, period. Because even those parents themselves of those victimized kids, and I know this is a harsh stance for some people, but this is my take. Even those parents themselves were on Facebook, I'm certain. It's those parents that were gullible and actually believed that social media was a positive thing for kids. And clearly it's not. None of it is. Again, YouTube isn't healthy for children. Look at what they do when they have iPads in their hands and they're scrolling through it as fast as they can and they're getting all the dopamine hits they can possibly get while they watch useless information that absorbs all of their time when they could be learning the truth. This is a parental problem. That's the real underscoring issue here, is parents don't know who the real enemy is and as a result, they aren't teaching their children nor themselves about who that is. And, and why why that enemy exists. So there's that aspect of it. But again, the hypocrisy of these politicians is astounding because in one breath, 
they'll attack an individual for not bending the knee to Jewish Zionists, which is redundant. And at the exact same time, they'll, they'll do something like this, where they, again, go after Facebook and they try to play the hero, not knowing that, again, all of it is created by Jewish Zionists. That's, that's the thing here. That's the connection that endless people, again, aren't picking up on, which is, I think, too bad. They need to pick up on this. There is a pattern here. The enemy is everywhere. The double standard is blinding. And the hypocrisy knows no bounds on this issue. So I don't have any audio to play. Again, it was all a show with Zuckerberg standing up and apologizing to parents. I'm sorry that your kids were hurt because of you know, our platform and what it was doing and blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, the, the platform, much like X, openly allows for pornography. They openly allow for child trafficking. They openly allow for children and predators to basically find one another in an algorithmic kind of way through making particular choices. And then, of course, these AI systems and these algorithms decide what the person can see or doesn't see, although we know that it pushes these degenerate images in front of children and in front of people on purpose. And you look at it once, well, they want you to look at it twice then. And then if you see it twice, they want you to see it eight times. And then it just multiplies from there. Again, that's why those platforms were created. Where this gets interesting from my standpoint is what is the one social media platform that Congress has not brought in to question and to slander or attack because of the horrible things that they are doing on their social media platform, specifically regarding things like what, of course, X and Facebook and Instagram have been doing since the very start, which is, again, softcore pornography and actual pornography, along with a thousand other things. That social media platform is Gab. They're not bringing in Andrew Torba of Gab and saying, why are you doing all these horrible things on your program, or on your platform, rather? Because that's not happening on Gab. And I said this on Gab. I said this, is the, this right here pr should prove to people that Congress going after Zuckerberg is a show. Because if they really wanted the truth and the answer, they would bring in Andrew Torba. And they would ask him, hey, look, you have a social media platform. What is it that goes on on your social media platform? And what are the measures that you put in place and blah, blah, blah? See, there's no government intervention on, on Gab. There's no government oversight because there doesn't have to be. The people who are on Gab have no tolerance for anything that is degenerate. They, I mean, they don't. You're, you're going to get an amazing education on Gab. You're going to get incredible references. Anonymous people, non-anonymous people, numerous individuals from all over the world doing copious amounts of research and trying to bring the truth and articles and endless other things to light, and it doesn't tolerate any of the quote-unquote faggotry, so to speak, that we see in society. It doesn't tolerate any of the degeneracy. It doesn't tolerate any of the rainbow flag alphabet soup nonsense. But the other degenerate platforms do. So who created those ideologies? We know the answer to that. We know, we know that answer. But again, 
You can't survive on Gab if you have those ideologies because you'll get attacked like nobody's business. You'll get blocked so much to the point where you can't even view Gab, let alone look at it, if you have an account. These people get called out, called out on Gab all of the time, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. But Congress, who are again blackmailed pedophiles, are not going to bring in Andrew Torba to talk about why his platform is a safe platform and a free speech platform because they're not really interested in safety nor free speech. These politicians play like they are, but they're not. Never have been. They want TikTok shut down. Not for the reason they tell people. They tell people, again, it's a, it's a Chinese spy outlet. It might be. It might be a, a, a Singapore-owned or Singapore-run um, Chinese backdoor company-run platform. That may all be true. And again, because they're a tech company, they have the algorithms, just like many of the others do, that, that filter information their way and push information their way. Again, I've seen a lot of things on TikTok. Some of it's absolute shit. However, the flip side of that coin, and there is always a flip side, is TikTok is one of the fastest growing, quickest ways to absorb critical thinking and factual information and investigation about the world we live in. That's why politicians don't like it. It's got nothing to do with cybersecurity, quote-unquote. It has nothing to do with it being a spy ring. Even if it is, who cares? Who cares? They're surveilling us anyway in the towns and cities where we live. doesn't matter how small a town you are. Again, you could, you could live in the hills of North Carolina. They'll still find you because you have a cell phone and you have electricity and you're tapped into their system. So, I mean... No one can really hide in this massive surveillance state that we live in, which means give them a reason to look at your account. Show them something. Educate them. Because what we're seeing right now on the entire landscape is we're seeing panic and we're seeing manufactured concern. There really is no concern. They're, they're concerned about TikTok as politicians for, not the, for the reasons that they aren't telling you is my whole point. And I think you know that. You're well aware that people move TikTok videos around on all other platforms. I mean, a person can, again, make a video on their cell phone, not using any of those applications. They can just record themselves and then move that video around all over the place. That video is going to make its way to TikTok also. So it's going to make its way everywhere, which means it doesn't really matter the platform. It matters who dominates these platforms? And the fact is, is that good people tend to dominate the better platforms, whereas bad people tend to dominate the worst platforms, like Facebook. I mean, honest to Christ, I don't know anybody who's still on that. I truly don't. I know that there are Facebook groups, and I get it, where, where people, again, are attempting to educate one another on a, on a larger issue, for example. But at the same time, it's just filled with degeneracy all of the time. Now, again, those people who, who think that Facebook is the cat's pajamas would probably say that Gab is a terrible place to be. It's filled with white supremacists, and they're all Nazis over there on Gab. I mean, that's how small-minded they are. They have to rely on name-calling and derogatory terms. 
instead of actually opening their mind and learning something. But you can go to Gab. I mean, hand to God, people do it all the time on Gab. They get on there and they introduce themselves. And they, they introduce themselves specifically by saying, look, I've been watching this board for a while. I have a lot of questions. Can somebody point me in the direction of some things that I should read and or watch so that I can learn more about the world we live in? And then boom, people do it. And they send them all kinds of information. They're non-judgmental. They're sending them content. They're saying, enjoy, read this first, take a look at this second, listen to this third, watch this fourth. I mean, that's, that's real education. Not over at Meta, however, when they, when they tell people that the VR headset is, is going to make a comeback, which it never will. And then, of course, you put on that VR headset and you enter the metaverse. And then before you know it, you're being gang raped by a bunch of cartoons. I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond retarded. I, I'm, I'm shocked that, uh, that anybody would create such a thing. But then again, I'm not because they're degenerates. That's what they are. The Jews that created it are degenerates because it's in them. It's in their writings. It's in their teachings. This is, this is what they are. I mean, this is what they do. And then, of course, they try to hide it as being a private company. Well, we have terms of service and those terms of service, uh, you know, ensure the safety of people. But at the exact same time, we're free of li- you know, from liability and we can't be sued if somebody gets hurt or killed and it's not our problem. It's ultimately the parents. The company fully understands that its influence is far reaching. Again, Google is in every classroom in America. Students have Google on their cell phones as their primary search engine, not knowing that there are endless other search engines that will provide them a more objective answer to the search for which they are looking for. And then they don't even know that those search results aren't even the real results for the search for which they're trying to make. That the internet is so deep that they won't be able to grasp the fact that a search engine really isn't going to provide them the most objective answers. And then, of course, Facebook is directly tied into Google. I mean, they're in each other's back pockets. They're Siamese twins. They're, they're, they're conjoined at the hip and the arm and the shoulder and the neck and the head. They're all together. Same thing with YouTube. So they can, again, Congress can bring these people in and yell at them all they want, is my, is my point. It's a political show because it's a political year. And all those dummies, everybody from Josh Hawley to Senator Blumenthal, which let's face it, Senator Blumenthal's touched a kid. I mean, look at his face. Okay? You can sometimes look at these people. They look evil. They have deception all over them. I mean, Brother Nathaniel said that. Nathaniel Kapner, he openly stated it. He goes, just look at some of their faces. He goes, and it's, it's not just individuals who are Jewish. I mean, you can look at anybody and just kind of see a thing in them where their soul is different or has been warped or changed. And as they age, the evil just sort of comes to the surface of their face. I mean, you look at these politicians, my God, they're, they're evil to the bone. But don't worry, Ted Cruz said a cool thing the other day, so everybody's supposed to forget the fact that Ted Cruz hasn't done jack shit. But, you know, he, he went after Mark Zuckerberg and yelled at him real good. So now he's our hero again. No. Nope. 
They all got to go. Every single one of them. And this is, again, this is, this is the problem. This is a huge issue. Now, I want to talk about Robert Malone a little bit later. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll do that kind of toward the end uh, of this first section here. I want to mention this next. I want to mention James O'Keefe. Now, you've heard my comments on James O'Keefe on here before. I try to take a middle of the road being as objective as humanly possible. And in pointing out a number of inconsistencies and some consistencies with him, I think that to an extent, James O'Keefe is a very self-important um, promoter of himself. I'll say, and again, is is naive regarding a number of issues, and and he doesn't go after the real enemy. It's a lot of surface level stuff. Again, I'm not saying that. What he does is bad. It clearly isn't. I enjoy it just fine. I just feel like he could go a little bit deeper. So let me make mention here of his most recent uh, his most recent recording. Let me pull this up real quick. I'm not going to play the audio because it's too long. And, and frankly, with his with his uh, with his undercover stuff, you you can't really hear it very well over any kind of like a radio streaming show kind of thing. Um, but anyway, as I'm sure you're aware, he, he ended up catching Charlie Krager, who is the White House cybersecurity official, on, on hidden camera with one of his pals, one of, one of James's pals, because James, again, gets on these dating sites or wherever, and, uh, and he pretends to be gay, and he flushes these gay guys out who basically spill the beans about what goes on where they work. He's been doing this for a while. It's, it's not new. It's interesting, but again, in my humble opinion, it's it's not it's not revolutionary. There's not like I, I don't know how to put it. Uh, it's it's not new information. Even the guy he was interviewing, who is a complete degenerate and and a complete brainwashed moron, which I'll get into that in a little bit later too. But I mean, even he openly states that most of what they talked about in their conversation has been brought out by the New York Times. Articles have been written about. The behavior of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and how nobody likes Kamala Harris and they're inside the White House and they don't know what to do about the election because Joe Biden's lost his marbles and uh, again, Kamala Harris is firing everybody around her because she's a bitch. I mean, w w we all get it. None of that's new. But James catches it on camera and he's shocked that this guy wouldn't even know that James O'Keefe is sitting across from him, which again is shocking because the point, I think the, the most revealing point that occurred throughout the entire thing was at the end where he said, well, you're sitting in front of James O'Keefe. I mean, don't you know who he is? And the guy goes, yeah, I've heard of him. And he goes, well, I'm him. And the guy didn't even know. I mean, that's embarrassing. And again, James was right. He's like, you know, you claim to be the cybersecurity chief of the White House. You're doing a rather poor job. I was able to get you here to have a couple of drinks and a conversation about your working environment, you're spilling the beans about it, and you don't even know who you're talking to. Again, from that aspect, he's highlighting the brainwashing and stupidity of these people, which is, uh, again, astounding and overwhelming. With that said, there's a flip side, again, to this coin also, which is I don't think James goes far enough. And I think that, again, his self-promotion always sort of swings for the fences, and then he just gets a base hit or a double. 
So the day before he released this, he was on X and he was writing this large manifesto about how he's fine if he if he ends up dead, that he doesn't care if he ends up dead because he's doing the right thing and he's going after the right people and he's lived long enough and you know if he dies he dies. I believe in God. I have a great relationship with him and all this other stuff. And then this video comes out and you're like, yeah, all right, I get it. I mean, he's, he he did a James O'Keefe thing. He swung for the fences and he and he got a base hit or you know ran out a double. We get it. You know, it's not it's not the grand slam that everybody that he always sells it to people as as being is my whole point. Now, again, I know people are probably listening to this and saying, you know, Sean, you're downplaying the importance of it. It's it's way more important than that. And and you know, I, I don't know. It it clearly isn't for us, I don't think. It's not for the wide awake. It's not for those of us that are that are chosen to know a great deal of information here. And we certainly know more than 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 James does. But there's a piece of audio that I want to play because in that sort of self-promotion, you know, look at me, look at me, I'm the cat's pajamas attitude that he does have. And it's undeniable. I mean, the man was in dance videos promoting himself and you know, my shit doesn't stink and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we get it. But instead of doing all of that, he should focus more on who the real enemy of the United States is. And as we know, it is the Jewish lobby. They are the enemy. They are the largest enemy. It's not the Chicoms. It's not the globalists. It's not, you know, the Arab world. I'm not afraid of people who ride on a camel and live in sand. They aren't, they aren't my concern. My concern are their motives as a result of the brainwashed and compromised politicians creating wars, which of course spill over here into our country. And by the way, it looks like we're about to go to war again in either Iran and Syria and everywhere else. I, I mean, this would be a catastrophic, a catastrophic mistake if it really does happen. Again, all because allegedly three Three soldiers died. Well, more soldiers have died than just three previously under Joe Biden, but again, those weren't election years. That was after he won the election regarding Afghanistan. Now it's an election year. Now it's a political pawn. Now it's a political move that they want to make. And again, if they're if they're doing all of this at the exact same time to create a level of chaos that is their last play, then so be it. But this is clearly a manufactured crisis and, and something we need not involve ourselves with. But back to James O'Keefe, in his self-promotion aspect of, of what he was doing, after the video came out, and it was out for a little while, he immediately took to X spaces, or Twitter spaces, whatever you want to call it. And this, again, is an audio platform where you're basically live streaming audio, and then people who are also live streaming can join the group, and then he can call on particular people, like in a classroom setting, and then their audio stream comes through, and he can ask, you know, they can ask James a question. James did this for, oh, I don't know, an hour and some odd 40, 20, 30, 40 minutes, and it was toward the end, and I didn't watch the whole thing because I didn't want to. But I, I, I caught the tail end of it, and it was, I think, a little telling. It was a little telling about what James doesn't know or what he does know and doesn't want to talk about. 
and it's and it also I think shows his lack of being what I would call a real instructor. You know, in in a instructional standpoint, where he could really help educate people about a great many issues if he really wanted to do that, but he's very busy selling his method, which is wear a hidden camera and expose corruption. And he openly states this, which again, I think is naive. Um, And I want to make it abundantly clear here, I'm not advocating for civil war. However, we do know that civilizations rise and fall, and violence is the element in the middle of those situations throughout history since the beginning of the world. We know this to be the case. So if we don't fight back against our enemy in numerous ways, then what are we doing? We're kicking the can down the road because we know that our enemy plays the long game. They openly state it. I mean, they've stated this publicly in speeches throughout the years, throughout decades, and certainly throughout the last century. And then, of course, uh, you know, they're just openly quoted about it constantly is my whole point. I mean, the whole quotation about, I believe it was from at least one of the Rockefellers, if not their, their Jewish henchmen. But, uh, you know, we, we won't have to fire a shot in America. We'll destroy it without having to fire a single shot. My apologies for not remembering the, the, you know, the guy who said that. But that's true. And it's like James doesn't understand that. If you, if you don't understand your enemy's playbook, you're never going to beat them. And I'm not saying that, again, I know it sounds like I'm whining or complaining. I'm really not. I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that getting things on hidden camera is a bad thing. It isn't. I'm not saying exposing school boards and city councils and mayors is a bad thing. It's not. It's a strategy. But there are lots of strategies. There are lots of them. So here's the audio I'm going to play. This is a few minutes. You're going to hear probably three separate callers all in a row when James O'Keefe is on X Spaces. And again, he's filming himself doing this, and he's running. He's letting people talk for a little while, whether it be 30 seconds or a little bit longer. But you're going to hear one gal bring up the Smith-Munt Act. And then you're going to hear James cut her off and say, okay, thanks, I appreciate it, take care. That was a perfect opportunity for James to dive into the Smith-Munt Act, but he doesn't. My question is why? Why doesn't he dive into the Congressional Act that allegedly made lying to the public via the media legal because it was tampered with. It was written, of course, back in the 50s, but it was tampered with by Obama and legalized to where everybody on television can lie to us. Why, why wouldn't James want to expand on that? Why wouldn't he want to tell everybody listening to his Twitter space or his X space or whatever the hell, why wouldn't he want to elaborate on that a little bit more? I mean, it was it was the caller in the in the spaces section that had to had to mention this and encouraged all of the people listening to look that up. That's I mean, that's great, and and good for them, and they're and they're right. That's something James should be doing though, instead of trying to get people to buy his undercover glasses that record people. Again, that's that's kind of my that's my rub with him. You know, buy our products, support me, support me, so I can pay my staff. How about you just educate people? How about you do that first? 
And then maybe people will, you know, monetarily support you down the line sometime. But then the next guy calls in, can't make it up. The next guy calls in, he goes, thanks, James. You'll hear it right here in just a second. He calls in and then you'll hear him say, we have to defeat Zionism. They're the enemy and we have to defeat them. James immediately hangs up on the guy. He goes, all right, thanks. Take care. On to the next one. Bang. And cuts him off. Why did James do that? I have questions here. That's all. I have questions. If James is still afraid, or I should say, playing like he's not afraid, then why is he afraid of particular subjects? If James is a free speech, uh, no censorship, no editing, let's get to the truth kind of guy, like he says he is. Why wouldn't you expand on a person on X spaces who openly, who you take his call, not knowing, of course, what he's going to say, but it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't be, I mean, he shouldn't be censoring anybody anyway, but why wouldn't he openly want to elaborate on that subject and even ask the person who called in, okay, Zionism, excellent. Go ahead and elaborate on that if you can. For the, you know, for the people listening in the audience and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he could have done that, but he didn't. I have a problem with this. So here's that audio. I'm going to play all three of these people who call in in a row, and you'll hear it yourself. Here it is in three, two, one. Let's go to Jennifer. Jennifer McWilliams, are you there? Yeah, hey, James, thank you so much. Um, so first of all, I just want to say, James, you're, you're not alone. Um, I'm the co-founder of Purchase the Habit. And so the reason we named our organization that is because we realized America has made fear a habit. And so our mission is to make courage America's habit again. But I want to thank you for exposing this government propaganda. And I want to bring attention to Charlie Crager's, um, you know, exposed government method of deception. Because, you know, which is how they were brainwashing, the way he talked, right? When, when, he, when he, you were exposed to who you were. Okay, compared to when he didn't know. Um, this is how they brainwash not only the American people, and they do this um, by the Smith Hudson Moderation Act of 2012. And I hope people look into that because it was. Um, thank you. Thank happened. you very much. Thanks for the comment. Let's go to Matt Baker. Go ahead, Matt. You're live on the inside with James O'Keefe. James, you're the man, true inspiration to all of us. Uh, what strikes fear into the hearts of people is the three-letter agencies like FBI, CIA, you know, because they are the intelligence agencies. Well, the change is happening now is that the human resistance, we have now got the largest expansive intelligence agency ever concocted just with the average human beings that are gathering together on X and with the work of people like yourself. I love you, man. Thanks, bro, for Thank, what you do. Thanks for the comment. If you're just tuning in, we're at the end of a two-hour-long space. You're on the inside with James O'Keefe. And if you're looking at Rumble or YouTube, I'm wearing these glasses with a camera in them. You might be saying, well, you should not show the people your technology. Well, we have lots of different technology. And people, and most people in America don't even know who I am. Let's be real. Like, there's a couple million people that pay attention. And then you have like 300 million people that don't pay attention. Um, but you can buy this stuff at O'KeefeStore.com and help fund our journalism. You can buy all this stuff. We have the, we have the best stuff. 
It's terrific. It's unbelievable. We have the best cameras. Best cameras. OMG undercover. Thanks, Lou. OMG on O'Keefe store work, or is it just that one? O'Keefe store is merch. The cameras are OMG undercover. You can buy these, support our work, pay our, help me make payroll for my team. That's omgundercover.com. Let's go back to the people. Let's go to, this is where you guys have these bizarre names. Zadok? Zadok, you're live with James O'Keefe. Go ahead. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. God is with the righteous. We need to defeat Zionism, save humanity. Okay, th- let's go to Lori. Lori, you're on the inside with James O'Keefe. No fragility. Go ahead. Lori, let's go to Lori. You're on the inside with James O'Keefe. Go ahead. Hi, James O'Keefe. Thanks so much for everything that you do. Been a long-time fan. I want to let you know that the thing that you said over and over tonight that resonated with me and many other parents is about fear and overcoming that fear and even if you think that you are locally recognizable you can still make a difference and i and i am gonna share that with all my parents and i just want to thank you for the space thank you very much let's go to philip you're live unmute yourself thank you james thanks for your work um like you said we all need to be investigative journalists you don't have to have the badge to do it just take a stand Think about your children. Think about our country. Just question everything. Put pressure on people. Just question everything and try and wake up as many people as possible to what you know. Even if it's wrong, just spread knowledge. You know, tell everybody, question everything. The more pressure we put on these people, the more people will wake up and recognize what's really going on in our country. Again, thank you for everything you're doing. And it's not just for what you're doing awakening the masses it, it, it's like a kickstand for a motorcycle you, you're, you're enabling us thank you james thank you for the comment marauder go ahead you're live unmute yourself hey james hey jack hey jim hey, Mona. hey everybody uh i got a quick question obviously waterhouse is going to deny any wrongdoing whatsoever but i want to know what you guys think they're going to blame it on what are they going to blame it on i don't know i don't know how to answer that I think the reaction is going to be interesting. What happens to this man? Usually if someone is terminated, that's newsworthy. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, hey, I wanted to see if I could get a quick question in. Uh, Christy Lee here, former news anchor. I'm inspired by what I saw you do, and I'm blown away that you just did the Clark Ken, and he didn't realize who you were. But um, I had that same thought about, you know, recognizing so I want to know about the process here. Do you recommend um, if you go and try and do this kind of journalism, uh-huh. are you actually signing up on like dating sites and, and finding these people through through these these dating sites? Like, how is the process to get yourself in these? Yeah, we we do this. We have a whole vertical within OMG. Um, I'm glad. Good, great question. You can actually do this. We on the bottom lower third of the video. If you watch this video. You'll see an advertisement for a sign up to become an American swiper. That we're calling it the American Swiper Program. You're swiping on these different apps to meet folks. O'Keefe Media Group dot com slash swiper, and you can sign up to do that. We have a whole master class, a seminar dedicated to it. And in fact, one of our citizen journalists did the whole uh, 
Chinese biolab story in California. So I thought, what, what better way um, to inspire people to sign up, Christy, than to go ahead and do it myself? I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do. And it would prevent the mix. How about you, Christy? Why don't you sign up to become an American swipe? What do you say? Well, I, I mean, obviously, I'm asking the question. I'm intrigued. So, so like I said, I mean, this is, isn't my toolbox. I mean, I'm a, a propaganda puppet, if you will. I was in the mainstream legacy media for many years. I've been independent for a couple of years, so I'm still learning, you know. The, what did the you work for? What did you work? I worked for, uh, I was a news anchor in Ohio, and then I went to California and worked for a Fox station. How are you a propaganda pundit? No, I said I was. I was How were you a propaganda pundit? Just, just by being in the system. When I realized how it was working, that's when I got out. Wow. Well, I'd like to have you as an American swiper. You can go to that O'KeefeMediaGroup.com slash swiper. We'll pay you 5000 bucks to go do one of these stories if we publish it on X and you get the story. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, everyone thinks the story is, it's like journalism is not what you say it's what the subject says it's not your opinion it's what their admission is very difficult to obtain but becoming easier with technology like this again i'm going to stop it there if you want to go over and listen to the whole thing you certainly can it's on o'keefe media group on on youtube or just type in omg on the in the search bar and, and you'll you'll see it it'll pop up immediately but it was titled dc swamp exposed part 2 and it was about an hour and 18 minutes in is when I started playing that. I think you can hear some of, again, some of the problems and, and certainly the questions that I have about all of this. There is this other aspect. Later on, after the audio that you just heard, he goes on a, a, on a little tear about, again, not wanting violence. He doesn't want civil war. He's a nonviolent person. And that, quote unquote, he doesn't believe in violence. When I hear somebody say that they don't believe in violence, I mean, I immediately shake my head and think to myself, so what does that mean? You don't think that people do violence to one another? Do you not think that this is a thing? Or you just don't believe in being violent toward others? Because again, if I was a betting man, I would say, that that philosophy that James O'Keefe has would get thrown out the window in the blink of an eye if someone that he was recording went after him physically. What's James going to do? Lie there and get his head stomped in? I don't think so. I think James would get his own master class on what violence can actually do, in particular in a self-defense scenario. He would certainly have to, or he'd end up dead. So again, when people hear me say this, I don't want people to think that I'm a violent person and that I go out looking to pick fights with people. I certainly don't. I'm not a psychopath. I believe in self-defense. That's why I carry a sidearm all of the time. It's not an accident. I have the right to do that. But James doesn't believe in violence. Again, he has a cameraman travel around with him all of the time and he's recording things and you know, he's talking politely even when people are screaming at him and he thinks he can talk his way out of just about anything. My point, again, is very simple. When it comes to street knowledge, so to speak, I bet, I, I bet his philosophy would get thrown out of the window in the blink of an eye. 
because he would have to figure out who he really is very, very quickly. So he should be careful what he wishes for here. If he's, if he's openly stating that he doesn't believe in violence and, and he, doesn't, you know, he doesn't want civil war, well, well, that's fantastic. Except if there were a civil war in our country, which I don't anticipate there being one, it wouldn't be the the civil war of the 1860s that's not what it would be there are too many people in the in the world who know who the real enemy is and i think that this points directly to the fact that james doesn't understand that the civil war has already been going on for quite some time it's already happening this is not a new thing again if he assumes that Muskets are going to be loaded and bayonets will be fixed and out to the fields we go. If that's his idea of, of an actual civil war, then he hasn't been paying attention. There are interagency civil wars happening all of the time. There are inter-employment civil wars happening constantly. The very process for which you get hired in a job, in, in endless fields, uh, of work w- within the United States and certainly other foreign countries, that itself is its own civil war. Again, you, you just the other day had the FAA openly come out and state, or it was exposed, that the FAA, the entire airlines industry, was fast-tracking black employees through the resume process on what words to use on their resume so they would be considered at the front of the line of employment. Not because they're competent, per se, not because of their real qualifications, but it's wordsmithing and word games in order to have black resume and black uh, employees, rather, and, and candidates be considered first over other individuals. That's its own civil war, isn't it? Don't even get me started on the education profession. I've already been over it a million times. One of the basis, one of the bases of the entire show. The entire profession wants the brainwashed to work for it. The entire profession wants gays and leftists to work for it. That's what the profession wants. The profession does not want competent, conservative, alpha or septa males who know what they're talking about. Not even individuals who draw attention to themselves, like, again, like you've heard me say, the septa males and the septa females. They don't want those free-thinking individuals to work in these environments. They want order followers. They want team players. They frankly want child abusers. Mask wearing is the primary example of all of that. They want people to go along with what the masses are going along with, the shot-taking. If the last four years haven't, pro- haven't proven anything to anyone, it should be that the last four years, at least the last four years, have been a civil war in our country. The entire medical industry is experiencing a civil war. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Again, I, 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 don't, I don't bash James just to bash him. I'm trying to be as objective as humanly possible and point out a lot of inconsistencies here. Again, the guy says we have to defeat Zionism, and then it's an immediate shut it down. That's suspicious. What's James afraid of? 
if he's such a tough guy and I'm not afraid of this and I'm not afraid of that, he's afraid of the word Zionism. <laughs> I mean, that kind of <laughs> kind of exposes it a little, doesn't it? Doesn't that kind of give up the goose? So that's that's my two cents on that. Again, he swings for, you know, he he tells everybody he's going to call his shot the day before he calls his shot. He tells everybody he's going to swing for the fences with the bases loaded, and he ends up dropping a bunt. Okay, it's not the first time he's done it. He does it all the time. Ooh, look, you know, James O'Keefe exposed a guy who works for Pfizer who's looking to have some gay sex with somebody, and the guy starts talking about some weird stuff that goes on at Pfizer. Who's, who's surprised about that? Who's actually surprised? And then the guy loses his mind and immediately goes, oh, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Who are you? Remember that black guy in, the, in, that, in that coffee shop or whatever? I mean, the guy went, the guy went nuts. But I liked what the first woman said who called in and when at the end of her call talked about the Smith-Munt Act before James hung up on her, was that she mentioned something that's very important, which is this guy in his, in his full-blown honesty is immediately talking again about what's really going on in the White House and these different personalities and, and how they're all panicking and XYZ. And then when he gets caught, he immediately, a, a, a switch gets clicked in his head where he immediately goes back into this PR mode, this public relations, you know, well, I have a job and I have a title and this is what we're doing and it's been written about and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, he gets up and he runs away. Well, yeah, that's not surprising either. He's, he's, he's afraid now. Now he's afraid. And he's, and he's going to drop back into PR mode because he has no choice. What's he going to do, become more honest? Is he going to double down and look at James and be like, you know what? Go ahead and ask me anything you want. I don't give a shit about my job. Go ahead and ask me anything you want. He's not going to do that. He's had a couple of people that he's, that he's recorded on camera double down, and they plant their feet in the ground, and they go, yeah, man, go ahead. Ask me whatever. That's happened before with James O'Keefe, which is fine. And those people divulge more information. But then you get the people, again, who run away. Well... Yeah, those are the brainwashed individuals who care more about their job than they do anything else. They care more about getting laid than they do anything else. This is, this is a problem, without a doubt. I, again, I'm, I'm glad that James exposes that aspect of it, but I'm just wondering, what else, you know, what, what is James afraid of when it comes to certain conversations? I mean, you have to keep in mind, this guy ran in the same crowd as the Charlie Kirks and the Candace Owenses of the world. He's of that ilk. Now, he was around before they were. Again, James was the guy who uncovered the whole acorn thing and the misappropriation of, of donations and acorn, that acorn organization, uh, you know, registering people to vote illegally for Obama's first administration. And that was a big deal. And I applaud him for that. You know, well done. But, bro, so many of us out here have, have surpassed you when it comes to who the enemy is. Because we don't have a problem saying it, and he does. In fact, he has a problem hearing it, and that's a problem. So there you go. Okay, that's enough about James O'Keefe. Robert Malone. Let's let's go after Bobby here. I have a piece of audio I want to play. I played it in the in the last war video, but I want to play it here 
And I want you to listen carefully to it because this is multidimensional and it isn't what you'd think at face value. In fact, I brought this up on Gab and one person commented and they said, you should have listened to the whole audio because Robert Malone was defending Trump and, uh, and, and, and going after these three-letter agencies and these NGOs. And he was, Robert Malone was attacking those people too. So Robert Malone's not the problem. I'm paraphrasing what the person said. But what this person doesn't understand, who, who made that comment to me, is that Robert Malone is friends with and has worked for the Department of Defense. He's tied in with people who are tied into the CIA and the DOD. He's openly stated this on Joe Rogan's show and other platforms. He knows this. He even bragged about it. Oh, I have friends in the DOD and the CIA. I, I talk to them all the time. Robert Malone is doing the same thing that any of these politicians are doing right now on Capitol Hill. He's jockeying for influence and jockeying for position. And if that means that he needs to throw NGOs under the bus like the Heritage Foundation, which he mentions, in order for him to get a leg up so that maybe Bobby Malone finds himself in the next Trump administration, well, then that's what Robert Malone's going to do. He's going to do that. He knows how to play this game. He knows how to throw conservative, quote unquote, and they're not. They're Jewish-owned NGOs under the bus momentarily to make it look like they don't have the best interests of a future president at heart, conservative president at heart, so that he looks more favorable in the eyes of someone else. Now, if Robert Malone finds his way into a Trump administration, ladies and gentlemen, I have a problem with that for a variety of reasons. Remember, Robert Malone was one of the guys jerking around with mRNA before we even knew what it was. And he claims it was for cancer treatment. Horseshit. He was playing around with it because he knew he could sell it to the DOD, which is what he did. And then he claims that, you know, they, they changed the manufacturing of it and it's not the stuff that I came up with and blah, blah, blah. That's a nice fairy tale. A lot of people have that fairy tale. So Robert Malone, again, had no problem working in a lab and making poison that would kill people, thinking it would help them. Again, Robert Malone doesn't know that the cure for cancer exists. You can buy it on Amazon, for Christ's sake. He doesn't know this. He thinks that we need to listen to him when it comes to the cure for cancer. So here's the audio of him talking with a guy I've seen before. My apologies on, on not getting his name, but either way, here's that audio in three, two, one. Coming from the left in op-eds in the New York Times and others uh, that uh, are all alarmed, finally, they're recognizing the potential risk of Schedule F. Uh, and recognizing that the Heritage Foundation has compiled a list of over 2,000 potential employees, uh, presidential appointees, so that if Donald Trump gets in or whoever the conservative candidate that gets in, hopefully, uh, from the Republican Party, uh, would uh, have a depth at the bench, would, unlike what Trump had with his first term, so that uh, um, they wouldn't have to resort to appointing basically deep staters that then torpedoed them. 
that's the logic. And uh, Schedule F, for the audience here, uh, you may be familiar with it, but it's, it's kind of inside baseball in American politics. The problem is uh, that, in part, uh, the American government is run by the Senior Executive Service, which is a few thousand individuals. They have their own flag, uh, their own emblem, uh, which is a keystone. And they are virtually unable to be fired. And Mr. Trump kept running into these people during his first term. And, uh, you know, famously, you're fired was his uh, brand uh, at will employees is the world that he grew up in. And uh, the senior executive service is not an at will employment. They are basically permanent members. And the best when I when I want to help somebody to understand what this means, I often cite yes, minister. Uh, or yes, Prime Minister, the British uh, um, broadcast that that kind of described this relationship between the established bureaucracy and the elected officials. And the SES notoriously considers elected public servants to be temporary employees of the government, and they're the permanent ones. So in his last term, Mr. Trump came up with this strategy that he would reassign them to a new employment category called Schedule F. And then from there, he would be able to uh, make them at-will employees and uh, hire and fire at will. And uh, that had you know huge court challenges, et cetera, made it through just before the election. And then literally the first thing that Mr. Biden did upon election and being sworn in was to cancel uh, the presidential order for uh, enactment of Schedule F. And uh, that, it seems like the uh, corporate media has woken up to the, they're increasingly predicting that Trump will win and that uh, he will implement Schedule F. And that has led to these, uh, you know, apocryphal statements that he's going to destroy the government uh, by eliminating this uh, pure permanent bureaucrat class. So first of all, Malone has a point, which is nice, is that he's, of course, highlighting these NGOs and even, again, this giant apparatus that exists in D.C. and around the United States that basically pulls the strings. Great. He knows a lot about it. He would. He worked for the DOD. He has partners in the DOD, still has friends there, as he's openly stated. Same thing with the CIA. I mean, he's tied in. But again, he's making it sound like, again, that Donald Trump is, of course, aware of this, which he is. He put all of those individuals to the side, allegedly, which would seemingly be a good thing because they're bad people. And yet here is the Heritage Foundation with their Project 2025 document where they're encouraging these three-letter agencies and all these other government organizations to hire these new people if a conservative takes over then in the future. And then that's the way that it needs to be, that those are the people who have to be hired. And of course, Robert Malone criticizes those people and criticizes, again, the Heritage Foundation and NGOs like it. Good. That's not a bad thing. The thing is, is that Robert Malone is jockeying also for position. And that's what happens in this game, unfortunately. 
again, he's, he's trying to make it look like he has Donald Trump's best interests at heart when, in fact, the pattern of behavior, in my opinion, regarding Robert Malone is that there's only so far he'll go. He wants to maintain his influence where he can, but he's also 100% fine distancing himself from, say, Thomas Rents, who in that testimony openly stated that he knows that the DOD was involved with the COVID lie and this biological weapon dating back to at least 2012, and that this is a giant on purpose, the, the whole shot-taking stuff. Robert Malone doesn't think so, according to him. He thinks that there's no proof, or he hasn't seen any proof that this was an intentional, it was a series of mistakes, and blah, blah, blah. Again, it's about controlling a particular fairy tale. It's about sticking with your story and doing whatever you can to have influence in particular avenues with particular people. I've never seen Robert Malone in the same room with Donald Trump. Not once. It's possible they've been in the same room with each other, but I, I haven't seen it. And I, if it has happened, I certainly don't recall. So again, people complimenting Robert Malone on calling out these larger agencies for having these pre-planned decisions in mind and these pre-planned people in mind, I mean, that's a good thing. The interesting part about it in the next dimension is, is why is he doing that? He's not doing it because he's trying to inform the masses about the larger picture. He can openly inform individuals of this and still have and maintain the influence that, that he wants, which I, I think is his next move. I think his next move, and you can quote me on this, I think his next move is to make an attempt to find his way into one of these agencies during a Trump administration in the future. And I don't think that's a good thing. That's my opinion on it, but there you go. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. Okay. Uh, there's this. I'll mention this first. This is rather ironic and I think completely ridiculous before I get into the crumbly stuff and, and the crumbly case, which is ongoing here. And uh, in fact, as I'm talking, the mother is on the stand, Jennifer Crumbly, and she's, she's testifying. Uh, but either way, let me mention this. This was from Gallup News and, of course, their polling service. It was titled, Nurses Retain Top Ethics Rating in the United States but Below 2020 High. That's right. It's been polled in America that nurses have the highest ethical standards. <laughs> I mean, holy Lord. 79% say that nurses have high ethical standards 10 points below the 2020 level. Medicare doctors, or I'm sorry, medical doctors, maintain 62% and pharmacists at 58 And they rank second and third overall. With telemarketers, members of Congress, car salespeople rated the worst. There you go. Again, I'm just going to go through the giant chart here because, uh, unfortunately, high school teachers rank fourth on this list of the most trusted and ethical professions. You have to be kidding me. The chart goes like this. America's rate, Americans' ratings of honesty and ethics of professions. Again, this, this is completely tampered with. There's no way this is, this is ethical. Uh, all of these are unethical almost every single one of them. 
but nurses again are number one, rated very high to high. So you have approximately, again, 79% within the high and very high category. So there's very high, there's high, there's average, there's low, and very low. Medical doctors, 17% were rated very high, while 45% were rated high. Uh, pharmacists, 14% were very high, and 44 were rated high. High school teachers, 14% were rated very high, and 39% of people rated them high. <laughs> You've, you're high, all right. Uh, you're not high on the rating. You're, you're high on drugs, apparently. It goes on here. Um, let's see. Police officers, 13% rated very high, and 37% rated them high. Clergy, 8% very high, 26% rated high. And then this, again, is where it shifts, and it just goes downward. Um, judges, again, 39% in the high to very high total. Accountants, lower than them. Labor union leaders, below them. Then bankers, then real estate agents, then lawyers, then journalists, with only 23% in the high to very high range. Rated as, of course, professional and ethical. Advertising practitioners. <laughs> <laughs> not not high at all. Uh, business executives, car salespeople are toward the bottom in the bottom three with members of Congress rating anywhere from 7% to lower than that, and then telemarketers at 4%. So there you go. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. It's clearly been tampered with, and they're all unethical. There's no way around it. Again, if if you're in those jobs, you're either brainwashed, by and large, again, it's not everybody, I fully understand, but by and large, that's, that's certainly the case. You've gone along most certainly, as I've stated publicly, uh, with the entire lie of the last four years. You were probably more likely to fall for it than not. Not saying everybody fell for it, but again, plenty of people I'm sure did. And there you go. Again, if you're associated with these, with these organizations and these lines of work and you're around so many other people, you're playing other people's games. You're falling in line with them. There's very little, little individual thinking going on. You might have a little freedom here and there, but ultimately you're doing what other people are telling you all the time, including wearing a mask and standing on the magical sticker on the floor and, of course, injecting yourself with a biological weapon, which isn't good either. So there's that. Okay. The Crumbly case. Let me get into this uh, kind of as quickly as I can. N not a ton to deliver here. Uh, let's see. I mentioned day three, day four, then day five sh showed up. Um, in fact, at the end of day four, if I didn't mention this before, this was th this would have been the same day that the Dean of Students, Nicholas Ejack, um, testified. They showed Mrs. Crumbly a 40-minute surveillance video of Mrs. Crumbly, Jennifer Crumbly, in the back of the squad car when they came to their house, initially arrested her, but then had her sitting in the back of the squad car um, answering a few questions from police officers. She wasn't handcuffed. The door was open. She was just sitting in the back. She didn't she didn't say anything that was incriminating. She didn't do anything that was incriminating. She was very concerned about what had allegedly occurred. 
Um, she was concerned about her son, the safety of other people. And she was openly sharing with the police all of the information that was shared with her from the school that day. Point being, her story never changed. She was never, she was never trying to change a story or cover anything up. That was, that was not the case. In fact, uh, she got upset numerous times and, and began to cry about the entire situation. Uh, let's see. Day five rolled around then, which would have been Wednesday, if memory serves. And it was a lot of police officers testifying. Uh, the, the, there was a business owner who testified who was next to this sort of warehouse building that had multiple art studios in it and a number of other things. And this was the building where they, where they found the Crumblies, where the Crumblies were attempting to gain sleep. Because apparently what had happened was, is the police officers themselves told the Crumblies that they needed their cell phones. The Crumblies gave them their cell phones willfully. No problem there. Um, then the police officers themselves told the Crumblies that you need to get a track phone. You need to get a burner phone so that you can continue to have contact with potential lawyers and people you need to talk with. And they, they agreed. And then they purchased those phones. So that came at the suggestion of the actual police officers themselves. So again, nothing unusual there. The Crumblies ultimately went to a hotel, and then they drove one automobile away from the hotel to then to this other location. Apparently, they did that because they were, of course, fearful for their lives and their safety, that people would find out that they were at this hotel and that they would mob them in this hotel. And by people, I don't mean police officers, I mean citizens, that citizens would attack them and, and a thousand other things. Because again, the story was all over the news and you know, th that, that's the way that it is, unfortunately, in our country, is that you're guilty until proven innocent. And that was certainly the case, I think, here. Um, with that said, they also ended up putting someone on the stand who was a firefighter, and this individual had an affair with Jennifer Crumbly. It was a relatively short-lived affair, six months or so, throughout the year of 2021, if memory serves. Um, but it didn't seem to interfere with her involvement with her son in any way, and of course it was kept a secret from her son and from her husband, and these were individuals that had gone to school together when they were in high school, and they grew up together and knew each other, and it was what it was. Again, she, she was an unethical person from that standpoint, no doubt about it, um, and certainly untrustworthy, but beyond that, you know, as awful as that is, it's not a crime. And it, and it didn't seem to have any impact on, uh, on her attention to her son. And I think her testimony is proving that and continuing to prove that. So that, that was essentially day five. Day six is the day again where she herself is, is testifying. And uh, again, they had a, a police officer show up on the stand first, and he ran through what he saw and what he experienced and what his job was. Again, he, this is a police officer that's been working for the prosecution this entire case. He's been in the courtroom sitting at the prosecutor's table the entire time. What he said wasn't anything new. And, uh, and they actually went through a couple of pages of Ethan's journal where, again, he's talking about wanting help, that no one's listening to him, that, uh, that he needs to get help and that he's going to shoot up the school and it's too late. And, you know, he's already made up his mind about him going to do this. 
And then there were pages in the journal that I don't think were shared with the jury and probably aren't going to be shared with the jury, but there were pages that openly talked about how Ethan needed to find the gun, that he didn't know where the gun was and that he had to find his dad's gun and that this was the gun he was going to use and this is the way that it was going to be. So again, th- there was no indication that that the gun was sort of out in the open. He he openly admitted in this journal of his, which his parents didn't didn't read, uh, that he didn't know where the gun was, but that he had to do whatever he could to find it, kind of thing. So there was that. But again, as I'm talking, um, Jennifer Crumbly's on the stand. The defense attorney is going through her past with her son and her family, showing pictures of them. They had a they had a relatively normal upbringing. He certainly did. Again, they they played board games as a family. They they did lots of stuff together. Went on vacations, took pictures of it, the whole thing. Um, if I was to categorize Jennifer Crumbly, I would say unfortunately she was like an average American in the sense that she too believed the COVID lie, that they were mask wearing people, that they went along with this whole psyop. And that, you know, she would take Ethan to the doctor if he wasn't feeling well and test him for COVID. So they bought all of those lies. You know, this is, uh, I'll, I'll end the crumbly summary for the most part by saying this. The COVID lie thread continues to run through all of this. And this is the, this is the realization of this that, that people cannot let slide. COVID doesn't exist. The mask wearing was about compliance. It was an IQ test. It was a do you know your rights or don't you test. And then what are you willing to do to your own children and yourself as a result of not knowing your rights and and knowing, you know, fact from fiction, basically. And unfortunately, the Crumbly family, like most families, went along with this entire psychological operation, which, as we know, has killed numerous people in numerous avenues. Again, I'll, I'll never forget. I've brought it up on the show a million times. It's ingrained in my head. Most of these situations are. But there was a, a I think she was 20, 21, 22 years old, um, working in California as a waitress. Um, the COVID lie hit. She believed it. Her work shut down because they were told to. She was unemployed. They were telling people on the TV, don't leave your house. The California government was was telling people that. She was living in the Los Angeles area, and she hung herself in rather short order. She hung herself in early 2020 because she was locked in her house and couldn't work and didn't know what to do, and that was the end of it. Again, I, I don't know if a person wants to categorize that as collateral damage or how you would categorize that. I, I don't want to be flippant with it and, and, and call it collateral damage. I, I think that's the intentional consequence of this giant lie and everything that's gone on here. And there are endless cases like that. And frankly, I would put the Ethan Crumbly case in that category. It just happened to occur in a school at the tail end of 2021, when in many cases the, the mask mandates were just a few, you know, the whole mask lie was about to be lifted. 
within a few months for the most part. And Michigan, unfortunately, was one of those states that was keeping it in place when others were dropping it. So the psychological damage that was taking place as a result of the mask wearing lie was having a reverberating effect that was far longer than than others. So I'll I'll kind of leave it at that. I do have this post that I want to read. Uh, this because uh, it's kind of in the same vein. I was going to save it later for later, but I'll read it now. This was on Reddit uh, from an individual. Had a lot of upvotes. I don't read Reddit, but this post was making the rounds on, on some of the other boards that I pay attention to, and it was titled "This Mandates Ruined My Life." It says the following, quote, My school barely allowed me to graduate. I had to sue them for rejecting my exemption three times, and they took my scholarship away for noncompliance with the mandates. Of course, this is a university, university student. They said, I was an excellent student with only six classes away from graduation and had to change my major to graduate remotely. I'm, to make matters worse, they said, they ended the mandates after I graduated and started accepting exemptions after I sued. I'm two years out of college and still can't find gainful employment. Lost all my friends because of my stance, and I've had multiple job offers rescinded because the lawsuit shows up in my background check. I'm suspicious of any work environment I will be allowed in because all it takes is a Google search and I'm fired for being, quote, misinformed, unquote, or anti-vax, quote-unquote, or someone who sues people. I'm glad the rest of the world can move on and pretend horrible life-altering shit didn't happen. For all the conservatives who engaged in lawsuits and fighting back, they're all cowered away from, they all cowered away from associating in public with people who actually stood up. It ruined people's lives, and it's absolutely despicable that it happened to young people, 24-year-old female in the United States, unquote. Yes, these people are everywhere. The people who did the right thing are everywhere. And the people who are having a hard time to this day, and let's face it, it's all of us to some extent, we are everywhere. This has impacted all of us. We didn't, we didn't believe the lie. We didn't fall for it. And yet, unfortunately, many of the people who run these giant corporations called universities and even companies and whatever you, whatever you want to call them, these indoctrination centers, they were the ones that fell for it. And as we know, they're paying the price too. So the, again, these people are everywhere. And it really is... It's sad and it's despicable, but it is a giant reality. Okay, more education things here. This was from Gateway Pundit. My apologies for the reference. Harvard University Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer hit with 40 credible plagiarism accusations in brand new scandal for college, allegedly stole the work of, ne of nearly a dozen scholars, including her own husband. Sherry Ann Charleston is her name. And, uh, yeah, black woman. And as you would expect, the Gateway Pundit is pulling the old anti-Jew angle. She's anti-Jewish, and that's why. Okay. Okay. Easy Gateway Pundit. Let, let's, be, let's be objective. But, of course, the Gateway Pundit can't. They're, they're controlled opposition as well, and that's 
that's who they are and what they do. And again, the Hoff brothers are Jewish and they're gay and, you know, they, they can't be objective. So either way, I'm not defending the woman. I'm not defending plagiarists. I'm just saying that, you know, Gateway Pundit, they, uh, they cherry pick. They cherry pick stories all the time. They are incapable of being objective, in, in my humble opinion. Okay, there's this too. Rather interesting. Uh, we'll see how long this lasts. Probably not very long. This is from ArizonaCapitalTimes.com. GOP lawmaker wants to require schools to teach about communist regimes. This is a Arizona congressman. Let me get you his name. House Speaker Ben Toma, a Republican out of Peoria, Arizona. And it's not the first time it says the Arizona lawmakers have put their views about communism into state law. Two years ago, Representative Quang Nguyen, Republican from Prescott Valley, uh, shepherded a measure through the legislation to dictate that Arizona schools must teach students how the concepts of communism and totalitarianism are often in conflict, as conflict rather, sorry, with freedom and democracy. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to leave it at that, but uh, it's going to be be interesting. It highlights countries that still have communism. Isn't this funny? Vietnam, China, Laos, North Korea, and Cuba. Oh, how silly they are. (laughs) How wrong they are. Again, communism is alive and well here in the United States. It's alive and well all throughout Europe. This is, this is going to be interesting. Again, this is just a proposal for this to be law. There's no flipping way this becomes law. Jews in Congress and those that control them, who happen to be Jewish, they don't want that coming out. Because who created communism? Who created it? I think we know, don't we? We know who created it. We know who perpetuates it. We know who uses it and employs all of its... All of its tools at its disposal, including Bolshevism, this is, again, this is, this is it. But, but that's not going to happen. They don't want people learning the truth about this in school. They don't even want the conversation to rear its head. They don't want an argument about it. I, I, find, it, uh, I find it laughable because, again, if it did find its way into schools, it could be as controlled as the school district or even the legislators wanted it to be, but you would have to bring up Jews and Zionism as being the creators of communism. It, it didn't come out of thin air, and it wasn't the Chinese who created it. It was taught to the Chinese by Bolsheviks. That's, that's who learned it. That's why it still exists in that realm. Of, of the world, geographically speaking. That's not an accident. I mean, it's firmer there, so to speak, than it is other places, but it still exists everywhere else. Everybody's seeing communism, Bolshevism, and totalitarianism, and Zionism uh, all over the place. They're not seeing Nazism or fascism, as they'd like people to think, because they're not the same. All of those things, all of those isms aren't even close to one another. So there you go. But again, I don't, I don't even think it becomes law because the last thing that the Zionist controllers and that politicians would want is for the conversation to even exist in a school setting because then students would start to go, wait a minute, who created this? 
let me take a look at that giant communism timeline and see who created it, why they created it, what they did with it, and then who they taught it to. And what you would find, of course, is that it made its way across the entire world back in the 1800s, if not slightly sooner than that. But it was primarily in the 1800s, and then wow, did it take a foothold in the early 1900s, and then we're off and running. But again, the controllers really don't want that. They don't want that conversation to exist. So there you go. Okay, just very quickly, a couple of uh, psyop-related things I think that are all that are all connected. Certainly, when it comes to throwing them into the media and and stirring people around. Earlier this week. A son and his father were arrested in San Diego because their home was found with an RPG and weapons and grenades for a grenade launcher and a number of things. And they immediately stated, of course, that he was a st- that this kid was a student and that a you know a potential school shooting was averted or things of that nature. You take that story, you combine it with a federal. A son, allegedly, of a federal agent, allegedly, who killed his father and beheaded him and then, of course, put that video on YouTube during a live stream and then was arrested after a 14-minute rant about corruption in government, which is real. Um, And then that whole situation being strange with the exact same time of you having congressmen in the United States put forth legislation that they want to eliminate militias. So I think that all of those are tied together. They're clearly using these stories in the news to move that move that so-called narrative in that direction that, look, now we have to eliminate militias and we have to get rid of the Second Amendment and we have to disarm people and we can't have armed people talking to armed people because they're going to come after government and We need to do whatever we have to do to make this illegal and so on and so on. I just don't think that any of that is accidental. All of that's clearly connected in in one form or another. It moves that story in that direction. And uh, yeah, so just kind of keep an eye on things like that. When stuff like that goes on, I'm not not versed in in whether or not those actually occurred the way that we're told from the media or not. Um, But either way, it's connected. There's no doubt about it. And it's usually connected because of the emphasis that the media puts on those particular stories. And they almost always tie it to something that's going on in Washington, D.C. with regard to some kind of legislation. So those were the connections that I drew from that. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Okay. Kind of jab-related stuff now in education, and then we're going to slide right into the jab stuff. And obviously so. First of all, this was from CBS News. I'm just going to read the headline here. Colorado schools working to prevent measles outbreaks. How to check vaccination rates at your child's school. This is, this is awful. First of all, if children in school are getting measles, it's because they're COVID jabbed. Or they're flu jabbed. Or they're just jabbed in general. And now they're shedding on one another. Again, measles is not a common thing. It's a jab side effect. That's usually what it is. It's a shedding side effect. And again, measles is one of those things that's also widely, um, I would say, misdiagnosed because it looks like lots of other things. 
this is all jab related. This is all COVID shot related now. And they're using this to encourage people to, of course, get more jabs. Not a good thing. Here's the local news affiliate outlet regarding this story. Give them a listen in 321. Now to a CBS News Colorado investigation. We have found a little more than a third of Colorado school districts were at risk for measles, mumps, or rubella outbreaks last year due to low immunization rates. Those rates are better than they were during the pandemic. In the 2021-2022 school year, only 88% of students statewide were vaccinated for MMR. That's according to the CDC. But new state data shows last year the numbers increased to 93%. CDC says schools need to have at least 95% of students immunized with the MMR vaccine in order to have a lower outbreak risk. This month, there was a measles outbreak in Philadelphia, despite the fact that 93% of students there are vaccinated. Your investigator, Katie Weiss, taking a look at how some Denver metro area districts working to improve those rates. So, Katie, what were you able to discover? Well, you guys, um, while the pandemic really threw a wrench in keeping herd immunity high in school districts, I'm learning that they are getting back on track. School nurses tell me it really comes down to working with individual families to make sure that they have the right resources. Ready? Yep. Keeping kids healthy is of the highest importance to these school nurses in the Adams 14 school district. What? We have to wait in between. That's why they're proud of their high measles, mumps, and rubella immunization rates over the years. And while it might seem some of those illnesses are long gone, making sure enough students are vaccinated to help prevent an outbreak is something school leaders have to work at every day. It's about educating the family. School nurse Megan Moyer says higher rates are important to not only protect other students from getting sick, but also the community. We can protect those that aren't able to get vaccinated yet um, or have um, compromised uh, systems such as the elderly, um, newborns. In Cherry Creek schools, state data shows the district's MMR vaccination rates have also stayed high over the last few years. Michelle Weintraub is the district's chief health officer. Um, you know, our nurse's job is not to parent the children. That's what parents do. But it is to educate and make sure that they have the health access available and, and to talk to them about their plans, whatever they are, whether their plan is to choose exemption or their plan is to have their child fully immunized or even fully immunized at a different pace, kind of like a catch up plan. And we've obviously seen some of that since the COVID-19 pandemic, because it's very hard to get immunized when you're on a telehealth appointment. She says the sudden cancellation of an important vaccination clinic hosted by 365 Health last fall also created an obstacle to help more students get immunized. So her team has been working hard to connect families to doctors so they can make the right decisions for their children. What it does is it it can help prevent death. I mean, we we know that measles can cause death. Back in Adams 14, almost there. Nurses like Moyer are building trust with students and parents to make sure their rates don't dip. Kind of start to build that relationship to get to the place where maybe they could be comfortable on asking us questions and helping them break down some of the barriers. 
Now, it's important to remember that MMR vaccines are required by law for students who attend public school. Arapahoe County Health says that decades of research tells us that vaccines are an easy, accessible, and above all else, safe way to drastically reduce the spread of many preventable contagious diseases. And for more information about how to get your child vaccinated and to see vaccination rates in your child's school, I'll be putting those resources on our website later this evening, cbscolorado.com. Yeah, we do want to talk a little bit more about this though, Katie. It's so great to see this trust that they're building, which is really the foundation of all of it, right? So what about the number of vaccine exemptions in Colorado? Have they gone up or down? Yeah, well, Karen, well, Colorado is one of the few states that still allows non-medical exemptions for the MMR vaccine. Um, State data shows that actually the number of students with exemptions has actually slightly decreased since the pandemic from 3% um, during uh, 2019 to only 2.5% last year. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about how these numbers compare to pre-pandemic levels. So how do the most recent MMR vaccination rates compare to prior to the pandemic? Looks like things are starting to even out, Michael. We found that last year's number of a little more than a third of school districts statewide being at risk for an outbreak is actually about the same as vaccination rates were back in the 2017-2018 school year. So that means that a lot of school districts have, while some have a lot of work to do still, many others are really getting back on track. Yeah, we appreciate your coverage on this. Thank you, Katie. You have got to be shitting me. Again, everybody in that entire piece is a full-blown lunatic. They're all brainwashed, every single one of them. They showed a chart at the beginning of that that showed that they have a 90-plus percent vaccination rate among all of their students. And then, of course, they said, well, they're, you know, they're, they're required. Well, clearly they aren't. You can get an exemption, and apparently at least 5 to 10% of the students who attend haven't had the shots. And yet, you have a massive measles problem. So, is it the unvaccinated making the vaccinated sick? No, that's impossible. It's the shots that are doing it. And what's one of the side effects of not only any shot? and I mean any shot, but certainly the COVID shots. You guessed it, measles. Mumps and rubella, as they call it. A body-wide skin rash. These people are certifiable. They are brainwashed. They are stupid. They're every other name you could possibly imagine. I'm telling you, (laughs) honest to God, I don't know how many more how much more video footage I can see of a of a young child having a needle plunged into their arm uh, over the course of the remainder of my life. I mean, it really is is awful. It's beyond disgusting. And these doctors are so stupid, and these school nurses are so stupid that they can't see the connection and the correlation between being jabbed and being sick. This is well known. This is widespread fact. The more jabbed you are, the sicker you will be. This isn't hard to figure out. So no, they're not safe, sweetheart. I hate to break it to you at the old channel whatever news team, but you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong, and you're all bone-dead stupid. Honestly, I, I can't... I'm going, to, I'm going to keep saying it. Sending your children to these environments is a national security threat. I don't know who else in, on planet Earth here is saying that and phrasing it that way. 
but I would encourage the listeners of, of me and this show to phrase it that way. Sending your children to school is a national security threat. And your first, and they'll of course say, well, why? Your first example should say the shot taking and the negative medical influence. That can be your first approach if you want it to be. I would also add to that either a second approach or frankly in any order, of course, the lies that are told in school and the curriculum. Third, if not first, the brainwashing of the people who actually attend. That's the biggest national security threat. All of those combined. I'm telling you, th- th- that audio right there, in my opinion, really does exemplify the entire landscape. Everything from the media right down to an individual student in an individual classroom. Nurses, administration, the whole American K-12 apparatus, all of it, right there. That's, that's a perfect example of everything that is wrong with what's going on right now and has been going on this entire time. But that's it. That, that right there is it. Every single person in that entire piece is wrong about every single thing that they say. The exact opposite is, is factual. It's astounding. And that leads me to this. This right here is the predictable result of what happens in schools when you jab them all to death. And you encourage, of course, the employees to take the COVID jabs and all of your students to get jabbed and so on and so on and so on. There was an email that went out from the local superintendent in the town where I live just yesterday, as a matter of fact. They said, quote, We are experiencing an uptick in illnesses in our buildings. We have many students and staff who are ill and absent. We are approaching the 20% or more absenteeism rate that triggers us to consider the spread of the illness, staff coverage of classrooms, and safety concerns associated with the illness. We may need to close one or more buildings due to illness. We are notifying you so that you may have time to prepare for any childcare uh, that may be needed. So again, this is for parents and staff and everybody involved. It says if the illness rate progresses or continues and progresses, we may need to make the difficult decision to close one or more buildings as early as this week. Closing the building will allow us to stop the spread of illness in our building, ensure students and staff are safe and have all classrooms covered. Currently, all of our five buildings are seeing COVID respiratory illnesses, strep throat, headaches, fevers, and vomiting. No, what you're experiencing is called AIDS. That's what you have. You have VADES, you have AIDS, that's what's going on. Rampant shedding as a result of all of you taking a biological weapon. You can distance yourself all you want from individuals who are jabbed, but if you are jabbed, sorry, you can't run away from that one. It's, it goes on here and it says, quote, We want to remind families that students should be fever-free for at least 24 hours without any fever-reducing medication. Students who are vomiting should also not come to school. Good tip. Students who are exhibiting illness should stay home. Students with COVID should follow COVID protocols and stay home five days and then wear a mask for the next five days. If you have any questions, please contact our nurses. Our goal is to keep our buildings open. Thank you for your help. So saith the superintendent, unquote. 
honest to God. Wear a mask, take a test, go to the doctor, get jabbed, and you'll be fine. They're still suggesting this. They're still saying this. They're still doing this. This is amazing. It's amazing. You can't tell me it's not a national security threat. You can't tell me it's not a depopulation agenda. These people haven't learned. They haven't learned. Here's another group that hasn't learned. Let me grab my phone very quickly here. This comes from our Louisiana educator. Get a load of this. They just sent me this. They said they got out of a three and a half hour meeting. Absolutely wild. Here's what they said. They said, quote, oh, Lord, they're going to try and push that crap again. They said, I'm just out of a three and a half hour meeting for our special ed department. We've just hired three new social workers and four new nurses for our district of 34 schools. There's also a huge push for getting every parent to sign a consent to bill Medicare regardless if they are getting health care services or not. Because if a special ed kid goes to the nurse, even for a Band-Aid or a headache, they can bill Medicaid. Even regular education students, they said. They said, now I did ask if by signing this, was that, was that just for billing or was it also a blanketed consent to treatment? Because I wouldn't want my child getting a jab or meds without knowledge. The response was that they were not sure if it, if it was or wasn't. I suggested that they need to find out and inform parents either way, because if not, that's just wrong. And then they sent me a screenshot of their Medicaid consent form. And uh, it, it basi- it's, it's unreadable because it's just too small. But Again, there's a couple of bullet points here. One says parental consent via phone conference is unacceptable on a Medicaid consent form, and they must have a signature from a parent guardian or parent designee. This is nuts. This is nuts. And why are they doing this? They're doing this because they need money. They're now billing Medicare and Medicaid as a school nurse office in a school district per school. Every single time that a student shows up to the nurse's office, you have to be kidding me. It's not a national security threat, Sean. They're just they're doing this because, you know, they're they're responsible and this is this is how it works. No, 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 no. It's a national security threat because it's it, it, this ha- this has everything to do with depopulation. This is a death agenda. And now They're married, and like I said earlier, conjoined twins at the hip, shoulder, neck, and head from the medical industry right through the entire education apparatus. They're killing off everybody in this line of work, and they think that profiting from it is going to help them make make their ends meet as a failing education business. It's right here. The proof is right here. I've got to write a substack on this. I mean, I, I say it on the show, but this is the kind of stuff, I mean, honest to God, I'm, it's just so overwhelming. It's, it's right here. It's so obvious. It's so obvious what they're doing. And they don't know that they're doing it because they're the useful idiot. That's the whole thing. That's also the tie that runs, runs its way right through this entire rig here. 
Here's another one, jab-related also. Um, a person posted this on the chat boards. And first of all, they started off with this tweet. It says the following. It says, quote, So I'm at the grocery store. I check out. I'm walking to my car and feel someone hur hur hurriedly uh, following me. I speed up, change directions, can still see a shadow. I finally turn around. It's my husband. We separated at the store, and I forgot about him. Scared the shit out of myself, they said. Person responds and says, are vaxxies getting dementia? Person responds and says, that could be a normal sleep-deprived mom, one person said. And then another person responded on January uh, 22nd, and they said this, encephalitis, caused by mRNA. I know firsthand, as a family member decided to act all weird, uh, forget where they lived, and ended up getting sent to a dementia ward before they discovered no signs of neurological shadowing via MRI. The lumbar punctures and various other testing showed encephalitis. Uh, let's see, similar to prion disease and CJD. He had three mRNA, two Pfizer, one Moderna. Of course, no one is talking about various people losing their minds, previously very healthy people of sound mind, acting odd, forgetting stuff, mood changes. It's happening, it's subtle, but it's happening, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're in charge of your children in the American K-12 school system, public, private, or charter. And they're the ones delivering the instruction. Yeah. Yeah. National security threat. Yep. <laughs> it can't, can't get more serious, can it? Can it really? Unbelievable. Couple more things here. This again, Substack. Honest to God, if I if I put a Substack together here it's, uh, with all of this, it's going to be massive. But I'm I'm going to have to do it. It'll be February's first one. Here's another document from the Food and Drug Administration and Health and Human Services. Ladies and gentlemen, they have eliminated informal consent. I'm sorry, for, uh, informed consent rather. They've gotten rid of informed consent. It's titled Institutional Review Board Waiver or Alteration of Informed Consent for Minimal Risk Clinical Investigations. This document is on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com, under the Government Documents tab. It's the most recent one at the bottom of the long-numbered list. Here is the final rule action from the Food and Drug Administration and Health and Human Services. The Summary the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, the agency, or we, is issuing a final rule to amend its regulations to implement a provision of the 21st Century Cures Act, C-U-R-E-S Act. It says this final rule allows an, ex an exception from the requirement to obtain informed consent when a clinical investigation poses no more than minimal risk to the human subject and includes appropriate safeguards to protect the rights, safety, and welfare of human subjects. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, that encompasses a lot. Not to mention, this is how they view the COVID jab. Minimal risk, but keeps everybody safe. That's what they think regarding all shots. The summary finishes, and it says the final rule permits an institutional review board to waive or alter 
certain informed consent elements or to waive the requirement to obtain informed consent under limited conditions for certain FDA-regulated minimal-risk clinical investigations. Can you see what they're doing here? They're setting the stage for you to not get informed consent for anything that they tell you you have to have, or else. It's all right here. They made this effective on the 22nd of January. Honest to God, they're doing it. They're pushing this through. It's right here, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like, I'll tell you what this makes me feel like. This makes me feel like someone at the very beginning of 2020 screaming from the rooftops, it's coming. Here it comes. It's coming. This is what they're going to do. And who's listening? You're listening, thank God. Hopefully you're telling the people you know. Hopefully you're spreading this episode and letting people understand what's happening here. They're making this move to do this again. To not hold themselves liable, to basically say, we don't need informed consent. And why are they doing this now also? Because everybody was screaming informed consent the first time. They were saying there is no informed consent. You're not providing proper uh, informed consent. The FDA is deleting slides in their presentations to either the CDC and these other agencies in particular where it says death is one of the side effects because that's informed consent. They're purposefully not telling people and now they're writing their own declarations and approving all of this and writing themselves again out of the law so that they don't have to provide informed consent. If they want you to take something, they don't have to provide any informed consent whatsoever. All they have to do is look at you and say, there are minimal risks, and it's safe for the greater good. Everybody's doing it, so you should do it too. You have to be joking. But they're not joking. They're deathly serious, and they're carrying it out right now. There's also this, wmcresearch.org. I put this website in this particular paper on Gab, on my Gab page. It is titled, The Spike Protein of SARS-CoV-2 Binds Hemoglobin, Releasing Iron into the Circulation, into, into the Circulation Inducing Oncogenic Neurodegenerative Inflammatory Immune and Vascular Complications, uh, uh, let's see, Senescience and Aging, or Sensius and Aging. I'm getting that word wrong. My apologies. The paper, I'm not going to read through it because it's lengthy. It was published uh, January 24th, but it's one long uh, cited, it's referenced, explanation as to how the shots, of course, are causing cancer, a destruction of the brain, neurodegeneration, immune dysregulation, coagulopathy is another one, aging is the last one. It says the findings demonstrate that iron overload is associated with increased levels of oxidative stress and shorter relative telomere length, shortening a person's lifespan. Honest, honestly, it's right here. Numerous references. Again, I'll, uh, what I'll do with this paper is I'll add it to the upcoming or the ongoing list 
on my website of other other papers, jab-related papers that I have there. And, and I'll put this one on there also. Again, it's on my Gab page. It's a rather damning document. Again, it openly states it snaps your DNA in half. They have a picture of it right here. Destroys your cells, takes the oxygen out of your cells, which of course causes cancer. Um, and then, yeah, causes aging and a destruction of, of the human mind. Absolutely awful. And speaking of awful, here's Tedros himself, the Director General of the World Health Organization. Here's a recent audio clip of him again saying, don't believe the lies and, you know, don't, uh, don't believe the conspiracy theories and all of that. And then, of course, it's for the greater good. Never forget, it's for the greater good. Give Tedros a listen and his satanic self in three, two, one. This work is not easy. And it's occurring in a very difficult environment. The IMB and the IHR working group are operating amid a torrent of fake news, lies, and conspiracy theories. There are those who claim that the pandemic agreement and IHR will cede sovereignty to WHO and give the WHO secretariat the power to impose lockdowns or vaccine mandates on countries. You know, this is fake news, lies, and conspiracy theories. You know, these claims are completely false. You know that the agreement will give WHO no, no such powers because you are writing it. We cannot allow this historic agreement, this milestone in global health, to be sabotaged by those who spread lies, either deliberately or unknowingly. We need your support to counter these lies by speaking up at home and telling your citizens that this agreement and an amended IHR will not and cannot cede sovereignty to WHO and that it belongs to the member states. The reality is quite the opposite. You're safeguarding national sovereignty while strengthening global health security, those two things are not mutually exclusive. It's not a zero-sum game. The agreement is negotiated <coughs> by countries, for countries, and will be implemented in countries in accordance with your own national laws. Okay, now I think I've played that before. My apologies, but I, I wanted to play it again if I haven't already. Um, either way, he's contradicting himself clearly. He says, not all countries are going to do this, and, and we, we aren't the ones that can dictate it, so don't worry. Well, bullshit. That's not true. They are dictating it. And yes, he's right. They are making their own declarations, so to speak. These government health agencies certainly are. Again, I read it on the past two previous shows that Health and Human Services has put together their own declaration and amended their declaration regarding all of the moves that they're going to make for Ebola and Marburg and adding those to their COVID protocols now. So if they say that something exists, well, they're government, so you have to trust them. And then you have to do everything that they tell you to do. Again, they're all criminals here. All these people are criminals. This entire script is being done over again 
just like the beginning of 2020, just like January and February of 2020. But now we hopefully have the mental capacity and the skills to understand what's actually happening here. They're running through the same playbook over again. It's the same thing. And now they're causing these countries to do, and we can't be the only one. I mean, Health and Human Services and the FDA and the Food and Drug Administration aren't the only organizations in our country that are making these declarations and these amendments and these changes to their own documents. And, and we're, we, we can't be the only country that's doing that either. So he can get away with saying, don't worry, other countries are going to be implementing this based on their own laws because, well, yeah, they're changing them. They're changing them right now. The, the, again, the playbook in the landscape is, is occurring now. It's happening. They've already run through, again, their, their clade X, disease X um, scenario, their four-part scenario. They've already gone through it. It's on YouTube. Anybody can watch it. No different than agenda uh, than their um, whatever the hell that was called that that previous agenda that they already ran through. My apologies, it slipped my mind. But you get what I'm saying. It's not the agenda 2030 thing. It, it's the uh, you know it, it was that other fake scenario thing that they ran through. S- same thing, same exact thing. So here we are at the beginning of 2024. It's another presidential election year. Donald Trump's on the ballot, and they're running through. This entire scenario over again. I'm telling you, they they gotta have a lockdown. They have to. They gotta do something. They gotta try something. It's all right here. So I'm just here trying to piece it together for everybody and help people understand, you know, the larger scheme. I just think it's right here. They're doing it again. But fortunately, uh, we're not taking the bait. At least we aren't. But you'd better believe these doctors' offices, these news stations, and these hospitals are going to go along with it. And ladies and gentlemen, the schools and universities are going to go along with it too. Again, the the story is out there now. the The high vaccination rate, the high illness rate, everybody sees it. Everybody knows what's going on, but they don't know what the cause is. They actually think it's this invisible stuff floating around in the air. No, no, no. No, you're all jabbed to death. That's the problem. That's the problem. Okay. I'm going to end on a positive note, and I'm going to end with this for, for this episode for this week. In a previous episode before Christmas, I brought up the business of being chosen and what that means and how it isn't easy being chosen and how we can pay attention to the characteristics of what that means to determine whether or not you're chosen or not. I came across another piece of audio on YouTube which I think exemplifies being chosen. And it describes me, certainly, and I'm not uh, bragging about that. I, I don't want it to come off that way. But I want you to listen to these nine points and ask yourself if this defines you also. Because again, it. It makes perfect sense to me, certainly with my powers of reflection and looking backwards over the course of my entire life and why things happen the way that they happened and how I am the way that I am. Uh, listen to this and see if it fits with who you are as well. Because according to this individual, this again 
it's a robotic voice reading this, but um, it's, it breaks down nine particular points that characterize an individual who, again, is, is chosen by God to do very specific things. And it's a massive responsibility, and as you also know, it's not easy. But nothing in life that is worth it is easy. So I'll end with this audio. Give this a listen. I will catch you on Monday, ladies and gentlemen, and peace. When you are chosen, a divine power leaves you a trail of breadcrumbs, signs and synchronicities regarding your mission. If you walk through the door, you will discover your destiny. Here are the signs you are a chosen one. Number one, you know that you can offer something to this world. Most people try to have as much superficial fun as they can. They will party, drink, or play video games often. They live life materialistically based on acquiring the most material possessions. They acquire as much dopamine as they can and treat life like an amusement park. You know there is more to life than that. In your heart, you feel that you can provide something special to the world. Everybody has some kind of a talent. This can be things such as art, athletics, communication, humor, compassion, growing food, teaching people, cutting hair, making people feel comfortable and so on. You can monetize any talent or passion. You know that you can offer the world your gift and you are correct. Number two, you seek knowledge. You feel that there is more to life and that you are missing something. You have questions and do research. Much like Neo in the Matrix, you seek answers and guidance. People who seek knowledge want to learn what life is all about in order to come to an understanding of who we are and what we believe. It is not enough for you to go through the mundane motions of life. You feel like there is something more, something out there with your name on it. You realize that there is more to life than following the rules of society. You are not held back by the limitations of society. You seek a path that is different from what most people choose. You seek truth and are not afraid to question the way things are. You'd rather listen to your own heart and make your own way. You explore the mysteries of existence. Number three, people don't like you. You are a good person, but people don't like you. This is because you are a light in this world and your light brings out people's flaws. It reminds people what they lack and this angers their demons. You are sincere. You can't get along with people who love to gossip or who are bullies. When you don't partake in their lower vibrations, they shun you. People try to put you in bad light or even get you fired. This is because they are insulted by your higher vibration. This is what sets you apart. This can make you feel lonely or isolated. Number four, you are isolated. In this isolation, the divine molds you and sends you downloads. Much like a vehicle taken to an auto shop for upgrades, you are loved and being worked on. You are the divine's special project. You are meant for something different. Being alone is not a path of loneliness, but a pilgrimage of self-discovery and growth. The cosmic downloads can only be received through isolation. Number five. You have a great ability to read people and scan their genuinity. You can detect fake people or tainted people. Number six. You are going through many struggles. Struggles are the stepping stones to your transformation before you can receive the special harvest waiting for you. The universe cannot prematurely give you gifts in your current state. Just as a boxer's training in preparation for a fight, 
the boxer cannot receive the victory being out of shape and lacking knowledge. The universe prepares you for your mission and gifts. You feel that you are going through more struggles than the average person. This is because the universe is not preparing the average person. It is sharpening you. The chosen ones are the strongest and go through the hardest battles. The universe does not go easy on the chosen ones. This gives you the wisdom and strength to guide others. Through your struggles and wisdom, you make the path easier for people who come after you. These experiences help you grow spiritually to make the world a better place. Number seven, you're a good person. Despite being treated badly in the past, you somehow find it in you to remain a good person. This is because chosen ones are the light that cannot be put out. People throw darkness and fire against you in hopes of destroying your light. They soon find out that with each attack, your light grows bigger. Their attempts of attacking you feed your light much like the phoenix. You cannot be stopped. You choose to be kind and do good things for other people. That is because you have a pure heart. You are here to counterbalance the dark, to bring light and love in the world. Deep down, you know this is your true calling. Number eight, you genuinely love to help. Helping others is part of who you are. Some people think that they are taking advantage of you. You allow it to happen because you are a giver. You feel good giving to others even if you don't get much back in return. Number nine, you have an inner knowing. Deep down you know that you are chosen. You have a fire in your soul and a gut feeling you can't shake. It keeps telling you that you are here for something big. You feel like an old soul and that you can make a difference in the world. Because of this important mission to bring light and love into this world, you are protected by higher powers. You are on a path that was designed for you. If you hear these whispers from the universe, you should listen. It is a sign from a higher power. It is your job to discover that mission. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.